I want to ask you to do something this morning. For the next couple of seconds, I want you to think about the worst sins you've ever committed. As you think about that worst sin you've ever committed, you know a lot of times when, when people want some interaction, they're going to ask for volunteers. So I'd like to see a hand of someone who'd like to speak in my microphone to tell the worst sin that you've ever committed. No hands? Nobody wants to tell it? Well, I guess I'll just have to randomly pick. Let's see here. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you. When I ask people to think about things like that, and, and they do, and I borrowed some Facebook friends this week to ask, what's the worst sin you can think of? Not what you've committed, but what's the worst sin that you can think of? And I got a lot of great answers. And those answers, I got murder, I got blasphemy, I got adultery, I got child abuse, betrayal, denial, vain worship. You know, what is the worst sin when you list all those things out? Maybe it's, you know, the, the, those that persecute Christians. Maybe it's those that are, you know, not taking care of their families. You know, if you think about that and you think about the worst sins, there's a lot that we can think of, isn't there? You know, culture might even say that, you know, when I say our culture, I'm saying the church a lot of times may say it's homosexuality. Or maybe it's theft. Maybe it's slothful business, cheating, cheating others out of what they have, things like that. You know, when Jesus talked about sin, he talked about a greater sin. He said in John 19, verse 11, he said, Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Of course, we know he was talking about Judas there. But was Judas the worst sinner ever? I don't think I can place that. You know, Jesus also said again about Judas, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, or actually is talking to all his apostles, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's Matthew 18, verse 6. You know, it's better that you would drown than to cause someone to sin. Those little children, you know, that's, a, that's an answer that maybe we didn't think about right off the top of our, of our minds, is it? Causing someone else to sin. Maybe that's the greatest sin. We've got a complete listing of moral sins in the Bible. Paul mentions them several times. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you also in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, go back and read that list sometime, and <laughs> look how close those things get into our lives. We may not be a murderer, but we may be a reviler. We may be someone who, who may tell a story here and, uh, you know, what some people term as a little white lie. Let me tell you, folks, there is no little white lie. They're all bad. Every single lie you tell is bad. It doesn't matter what, it, what, what good may come from it. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 6, Paul also said there, Therefore put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, uh, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sins of disobedience. You see, Paul's telling them there, you've got to get these things away from you. He doesn't say which one's the greatest sin. Of course, like I said, Christ didn't say either. He said there was a greater sin. He didn't say it was the greatest sin, did he? He didn't say it was the worst sin ever. What about the sin of omission? That was named in my list as well. 
And you know, that's probably the one that, that I'm going to say I'm most guilty of is the sin of omission, not doing everything that I know to do all the time. But therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. That's James chapter 4 and verse 17. Jesus talked about heavier sins a little bit in Luke, and I want to mention that as well. He says in verse 47 of chapter 12, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Isn't sin confusing? Especially with statements like that that Jesus made. What do you mean? If I sin more, I'm going to get less stripes? No, that's not what he's saying. Even the disciples had a tough time discerning the sins sometimes. John 9, verses 2 and 3, it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, when Jesus was going to heal the blind man, his disciples said, Well, well who caused him to be this way? Whose sin was it that made it blind? We know the answer to that. It wasn't anything to do with sin, was it? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God shall be revealed in him. Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 how sin confuses. Verse 17 and 18, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened or confused, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of the heart. Now I've given you a lot of scriptures to think about and I haven't even gotten to our main text yet. What is the worst sin? We can sit out and in our audience today, we can sit and watch our TVs, we can read our newspapers, look on the internet, and like I said, I've got a whole list of them there. I didn't reply to any of those except for just thanking people for giving me those answers. And some of you gave answers, and I appreciate it, because it helped me to, to get through a tough text that I thought I was going to have a little challenge with. We look at those sins, though. We talked a little bit this morning about capital punishment in our in our Sunday morning Bible study class, not we didn't debate it, we just talked about a, a thing that's, that's in the present right now that's being talked about. But when we look at these people that are on death row, we think, they did it. They committed the worst sin. They did it. All that we've looked at, though, names a whole lot more than murder, doesn't it? Or names a whole lot more than child abuse or a whole lot more than neglect or all these things. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 13. The first five verses of Luke chapter 13 have always been a favorite of mine to look at and read. But I want you to, I want, I want you to listen to this here. Verse 1, there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Okay, when I read through that, I don't even think, well, what's that mean? Verse 2, And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? And then, as you hear me quote often, Jesus says in verse 3, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he says, Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, 
Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What in the world? I, I, I can't find anything in the Bible remotely telling me what this tower in Siloam is about. I can't find it. I hear Siloam mentioned, or I see Siloam mentioned, I believe it's over in the, um, <clears throat> Nehemiah, the, 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 the town of Siloam, or the area of Siloam is mentioned, but I don't know what this tower is about. So how can I understand the text? Well, you know, that's not our point, but I do want to tell you what I think that this may be alluding to here. Going back to verse 2, Jesus answered them and said, Do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than, than all other Galileans because you suffered such things? And he's talking about there the, the, the sacrifices that came in verse 1. Josephus, who's a historian shortly after the life of Christ, wrote in his uh, works of antiquities, says, But Pilate undertook to bring a current of water to Jerusalem. And did it with the sacred money and derived the origin of the, of the stream from the distance of 200 furlongs. However, the Jews were not pleased with what had been done about this water. And many ten thousands of the people got together and made a clamor against him and insisted that he should leave off that design. Some of them also used reproaches and abused the man, as crowds of such people usually do. So he habited a great number of his soldiers in their habit, who carried daggers under their garments and sent them to a place where they might surround them, so he bade the Jews himself go away. But they boldly casting reproaches upon him, and he gave the soldiers that signal which had been beforehand agreed on, who laid upon them much greater blows than Pilate had commanded them, and equally punished those that were tumultuous, tumultuous and those that were not, nor did they spare them in the least. And since the people were unarmed and were caught by men prepared for what they were about to do, there were a great number of them slain by this means. And others of them ran away wounded. And thus an end was put to this sedition. That is thought to possibly be what Christ was being asked about in verse 1. I, I can't prove that historically, but I found it in several different references that I've studied on this, this passage. There were present at the season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. We talked about sacrifices this morning. That blood of those Galileans would make those sacrifices unpure. These people were complaining about that. They probably had a right to. Pilate destroyed those people that went against him and revolted. But I want you to look there what Jesus said. We're going to read through this a few times. So, and Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? In other words... Do you think that they were the worst sinners? Do you think the sins they committed were the worst things and that's why they had to suffer? Do you think that's what's going on here? You know, when you read through these three or four verses here, it, it, it's got, you've got to see where Jesus is at. And he answers and he says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, if you don't repent of what you're doing, you're going to end up the same way. Their sins were no worse, guess what, than yours. Then he asked them about a historic event there. Were those 18 on whom the tower slow and fell and killed them, do you think that there were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Asking once again, do you really think that these people deserve to die because of their sins? I mean, isn't that what we say a murderer? Well, he deserves to die. He sinned. That's not what Jesus asked there. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't place a judgment on them. 
I don't know what they were doing building that tower. I don't think they were doing anything like the Tower of Babel. I don't believe they were trying to reach God. It could have been related to this, this aqueduct that was being built. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on there. But those 18 that died, Jesus says, do you think that they were worse sinners? Because they were out there working. And the tower fell on them and killed them. Verse 5, I tell you no. But unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. You know, this, this passage continues on. It picks up a real quick parable here. And we've mentioned this parable a few times. But he also spake this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. Now that passage is also paralleled in several of the gospel accounts. But I want to catch the two verses in Mark chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. It says, And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said, Let no one eat of this fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now I think it's very interesting that there is a contrast there that Jesus brings up in three years. For three years I've come and there is no fruit on this tree. How long did Jesus teach and preach while he was here on this earth? About three years, a little over three years is what we've got record of. His public ministry, going around, seeking his disciples, teaching. About three years. But it never grew fruit. Now obviously we know that Jesus was not unworthy. In Isaiah chapter 5 says, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very truthful hill, or very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned. And break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug. But there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. Prophet Isaiah, you know, when you look through Isaiah, you can see Christ in so many aspects. Most of the time we turn over towards around chapter 50 and following to see Christ, but I think we see Christ right there in chapter 5. We see him in the vineyard talking about the same thing that he's talking about in Luke chapter 13. He's covering the things that, that he talks about in future tense. I find it very interesting to see that. Now as you look at that, we also can know that we have sin in our lives. We know that we, we are ones in our lives that, that are sinful. 
But when I talk about worst sin, I remember I asked you to think about your worst sin that you ever committed. Many of us would think, well, I don't have a worse sin. My sins are all small. My sins are nothing like so-and-so sins. My sins are not listed exactly as they are written in the Bible. You know, talking about that little white lie or, you know, twisting around Scripture to make it mean what we want it to mean. Or, you know, those little, those little bitty sins, they're, they're not going to amount to a whole lot. I don't have to worry about that in the Day of Judgment. Folks, I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ came here to die for each and every single sin. He didn't give a list of these sins are okay, these sins are, these sins are small, these sins are great, these sins are better. He didn't do that, did He? He said, I came here to save everyone. Sin contaminates our souls. Sin drives us and separates us away from God. We can go through all of the entire Bible and we can look at the sins that we see there and we can see that, that there is no way whatsoever we can live our lives without sin in it. You know, Paul quoted in Romans that there were none righteous, no, not one. He, about nine verses there that he quotes out of the Old Testament and continues on talking about that there was nobody that was righteous. When I asked for that list of sins, on Facebook to get help from my friends. <laughs> there were a lot of things listed. And like I said, I know some of you participated and some of you read it. And, and, and usually I'll answer after a while what my thoughts are. I didn't. Because as I think about the greatest sin, I can't really name one in particular. But I think we all can understand sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 as we look at sin, we say, well, you know what? When I, when I became a Christian, I, I put all my sins away. Yes, you did, if you did it in the right manner. If you were baptized for the remission of sins, you did do that. You washed your sins away. They were remembered no more. Well, so, I, you know, now that I'm, not a, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I, I don't have to worry about sin because I'm not doing those bad things anymore. Well, no, you, you can't say that. I've, I've mentioned before, I was... I became a Christian at about 10 years old. That's a long journey from where I'm at today at 43. Long journey. I can't say that I didn't commit a sin. I probably sinned very early on as a Christian. And I know many of you can say the same thing. It's not a, a, a thing that we can just turn on and off. Sin is always there. We know that the devil is seeking those whom he can devour. He especially looks for those that are in the household of faith. Because... He doesn't, he doesn't want to have to fight very hard. But you know what? When he can pull you away from God just a little bit, wouldn't you think that might be the greatest sin? <laughs> Whatever pulls you away from God, I would think would be the worst sin. It doesn't matter what it is. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, in my opinion, of what the worst sin is. It's not murder. It's not lying. It's not envy. It's not deceitfulness. It's not adultery. It's not homosexuality. It's not idolatry. It's not blasphemy. <laughs> I can keep listing the name and name and name it, but 1 John 5, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. 
there is sin leading to death, I do not say that he should pray about that. You know, sin leading to death, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy to kind of, kind of see on the surface what that means, but I'm going to tell you what I think that, that verse means. That means that, that if we continue in sin and we don't repent of it, we don't get rid of it, we don't, we don't ask God's forgiveness, we're not repentant at all, friends, I think that's the worst sin. The sin that is never forgiven. Because we didn't ask for it. We ourselves didn't ask for repentance. We didn't ask for, for God to be with us as we turned our lives around, as we walked away from the devil or ran, fleeing the devil. Isn't it interesting when we see danger coming, we run? But when the devil's knocking on our door, sometimes we open it up and let him in. Sin is dangerous. Jesus wasn't the only one that called for repentance either. Zechariah chapter 1. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, Just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Our blessings overflow abundantly each and every day. We are blessed this morning with some sunshine. It's a beautiful day. Temperature's great. We're together worshiping our God in the house of the Lord. The day that the Lord has made. Can you imagine all those things being taken away from us because of a sin? Now, as you envision that, think about how beautiful the day is. You look outside, you see the pretty green leaves, you see the flowers, you see all this, and that is nothing compared to what heaven is. Nothing at all compared to what the, 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 the picture of heaven that we're given a glimpse of in Revelations. Heaven's going to be the greatest place. It will be the, 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 the way we want to live forever. Again, we mentioned this morning that God is light. There's no need for sun or moon or stars in heaven. God is that light broadcasting. <laughs> and if we want to walk in the light, we better get our lives right. If we want to be there with God, with Christ, we've got to make sure that we get rid of that worst sin. And that is that sin that we continue in. I want to read our text one more time. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Today, there may be those suffering right here in this audience. You may be suffering from sin. When your spirit is hurting because of sin, you can release it. Remember Jesus says in verse 3, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish.
We don't necessarily need to see a tower of Siloam. Verse 4. Are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Jesus said, I tell you no. But unless you repent, you all likewise perish. In other words, if you, if you want to die spiritually, you keep doing the things you do. But if you want to live eternally in heaven, you need to repent. Repentance, confession, baptism washes away your sins. We must hear the word of God. We must believe it. We must have enough faith in order to, to, to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I want to turn away from this old man. I want to get rid of all this sin. I want to, I want to become a new creation. We must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we do that and we obey him in the water grave of baptism, we're buried. Our life is no more considered what we were before. And we come out of that water, a new creation, Romans 6, 1 through 6. The gospel of Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. It says that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the gospel. This is the gospel I preached to you, Paul said. And you turn over to Romans 6, 1 through 6, and there it is right there. You die to the old man. You're buried in the water of great baptism. You resurrect to a new life in Jesus Christ. But friends, even as Christians, we can send the worst sin. It's a good thing I don't have to list all the worst sins. We can see them. And there may be one sin in your life that you can consider this morning the worst sin. If you've become a Christian and you've fallen away, you've not been faithful, you're not willing to confess your sins and get them out of your life, they're going to remain as a sin unto death. And we've already read what that means. It's not good. That's sin unto death. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. If you have any need today, if you've never named Jesus Christ as the Son of God, been baptized in the watery grave of baptism, I beg you, plead with you, please consider that this morning. But even the more so, if you are a Christian and you've fallen away, it's time to make things right with God. Don't leave here today without getting forgiveness for that worst sin. Won't you come? Won't you stand? Won't you stand?